episode 47 with Ryan Doris and Adam Miller. In today's episode, Ryan, Adam, and I dive into a multitude of topics. And it's just one of those conversations that you have with old colleagues and friends after spending years apart that just seems to flow. It's a mix of reminiscing on good times, conversations, and relationships, alongside getting deeper into subjects of application versus academia, why I'm choosing to return back to get my master's degree, and much more. As you would have seen in the title, this is part one of two. This conversation was a total of three hours, but seemed to fly by without any realization or even remote understanding of how much time we were actually talking. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to support the podcast, I would ask for you to please head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a five-star review and tell a friend about the episode or the podcast if possible. If you're here from Instagram, what's up? Glad to have you. Share a screenshot of the podcast on your story and be sure to tag me at Austin Current. You can tag up Adam Miller at coach underscore Adam underscore Miller. And I'm sure you know Ryan at the Natty Pro. Enjoy the conversation. I gave up from working on home. I, I, I personally had too many weak points in it. I gave up on it, dude. I was home, dude. Sometimes even Stacy's really good to me about working from home, but still you have to have those moments. Where you're like, I'm not here right now. Even though I'm home, I'm not here for four hours. I'm not nothing. Good at that. The door, the door. Somebody knocks on the door. I'm not here. So I, I, I'm, I'm not. I do. I'm a. Uh, I'm just so enamored in my family life that I want. If I hear a dish bang, I want to get in there and I want to help in the kitchen. I want to like. I love my home life. I love it. So I had to physically create some proximity for myself. Luckily, I was driving. I usually get here at eleven, so I was just driving here on my way. And then I saw her. I was like, oh, shit. I was like, oh man, I, I've been out of sorts since this whole thing has went down, dude. Happens, man. Happens. Absolutely. Just glad you could join us. We don't even know what we're going to talk about. We're just going to, Austin does. We're just, we're just going to shoot the shit. <laughs> I just, I just want you guys, I honestly, like, I, I knew you guys, you know, went way back. Um, and I knew you both at a time, yeah. you know, when we were in all in Florida at that one time. Ryan, I used to have some great conversations late at night in the gym. And if we just talk, we would, we'd be sitting on the bench and like in the middle of Ryan and be doing like his eight sets of bench or whatever it was. <laughs> and he'd be on set five and here I'd come and you could see Ryan's face like, well, there went that workout. Cause your Adam's coming over. I'm like, Ryan, what about this and this and this? And 40 minutes later, it's like, Ryan's like, probably should do those other three sets. <laughs> you know, Adam's a, dude, dude, I, 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 dude, you're a big, you're a big idea, man. You love ideas, right? I, oh, yeah. I, said, I said something recently. I think it was on my, my podcast. I said, when I, I'm probably, when I have an idea of those ideas that get successful, that I actually speak out loud, I'm probably one out of 28, right? Mm. I say, right, like my girlfriend, she's one-to-one. If she says it, she does it. She doesn't say much, and she's one-to-one. You have like a thousand ideas, and yeah. you pick them all if you could have the time, because you're not lazy, right? You're not lazy. You're willing to do the work. That's what I appreciate about <laughs> yeah, you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and it actually stresses me out. I actually, I even have like an, um, I even have a little note, like I have notebooks and stuff too, <laughs> that throughout the day I get thoughts and I write it down and it may be nothing with fitness, right? I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. I should write that down. 
if I get to it, I don't fuck, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, I've got like great ideas. And I tell Stephen Austin, like some of my late night stories, I have myself, I can't sleep. And I'm like, I'll be watching Netflix or something and try And I'll go like, you know, this would be a lot better if they did this. And like, what if this, and then what if the daughter actually died? That would change <laughs> the entire story. Like, you know, I do that all the time. Right. Yeah. I, like, Oh man, it'd be so much better. You know, Oh, I like in some of my favorite like TV franchises and stuff, like even the Marvel comics and I'm a big alien versus predator guy and they've really screwed that up. I even got like written timeline. Them. This is how you should do the storyline. This is this. You guys have <laughs> fucked up the movies. This is a, alien versus predator should be like this. And I've even incorpor- incorporated Prometheus. Yeah. Cause I'd love to see a battle of a predator versus like one of those engineers. So do you get, so do you get a satisfaction when things actually go the way you wanted to and the way you planned for them to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're an idealist. I, yeah. I, yeah, pretty much, I guess. And an optimist too. That's much. a, yeah. cr- that's a crazy good mix. Try to be. That's Try a crazy good mix. I'm an optimist, but I am also a very laissez-faire. It is what it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm very, uh, it's not in my control. Mm-hmm. But that's that's a good way to be tiring, I imagine, at times. Yeah, because also being like an only child, my imagination. Ah. You know, you just have that imagination, right? And that's even, actually, that's even something, like, that's into my program design, too. Because, uh, like, even Castle, when I'm doing program design, I'm doing something. And I'm like, man, there's something going on here. I can't figure it out. And Castle will look at the program, and he'll be like, I know what you're doing there. You're being too cute. It's not, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Like you're, that's why you do, but I'm like, but it could, we could do this and this. And he's like, you could, but they're not, don't worry about that. They're not going to get that. Or you're going to get calls every day on it. Like, oh yeah. That's a, that's, that's actually very interesting. So that's something that has been on my, that's something that's been, the reason why I've been so out of sorts lately is because I've actually been stressing about this uh, actively. I don't know uh, how, I can so there's one thing I've realized. So the past few years have been my, me personally coaching the most successful years I've ever had, and I've basically done more hourly work. I've just focused on the work, the thing, the coaching, the training, the nutrition. That has made me more successful on paper than what I thought was the formula, which was using my brain to my maximum capacity. But in reality, I can operate at my actual thinking power of what I feel it, most days coaching 25. percent I'm not really trying that hard and we're not really trying that hard for what's effective coaching and programming it's very simple it's very straightforward i've been having this struggle that i can make a good career on paper and that was my goal in my 20s and now i'm at this weird point where it's like i'm turning 33 this year in august what going forward will be that thing that i die and say ah at least i got my intellectual stimulation to give to the market right because i feel like when i give things that i feel are just Herb, uh, it's the market doesn't respond to Stephen Hawking as much as they respond to Joe Rogan, right? Because right. it's very, it's simple, it's simplified, it's much more simplified. So that's been a big tug of war with me, and it's and it's more. I'd have to call it an existential crisis I'm having at this point. That's why I'm going back to school. I'm getting my master's, and I'm starting my master's in the fall. So you, so where do you, what do you want to study? Uh, well, I'm going. So I'm doing exercise physiology, um, and. So my main goal with it essentially is kind of, I'm in that same weird place um, with like, since 2017 on paper, been very successful. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so especially in my younger 20s, like 
can't complain. It's been great. Um, but as far as things go of like, this isn't the game I want to play. Like this isn't, if I look back, let's say 10 years from now, 20 years from now, like, am I proud of this game that I've now in tune with, you know, am I, am, am I playing into this like gain of clout, gain of superficial measures, gain of what looks good on paper, or am I going to be, I, I know I'm going to be more proud of something that was an intellectual feat. So it's a matter of like, I know what's holding me back from being a better communicator of these principles is just getting deeper and deeper and more foundational understanding of all of the principles. So, and, and so kind of bringing this conversation back full circle, that's what I like and share about Adam so much. He can scratch that itch in training. You like you do, you, we, we all remember the, the, those MI 40 years. I mean, they were just like, we would talk about things that were not applicable at all and go on and on and on and on. I'm pretty sure we solved the problems of the world in the squat rack and bench somehow. I'm pretty sure we figured out that like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. And those are some of the best years because you could dive deep. It was people at your disposal saying, Hey Ben, Hey son, dude. And we were just, we were just pouring out our heart and soul. I'm I'm probably, and I, I, I mean this in the nicest way. I don't want this to come negative too, but I remember just sometimes when Ben Escrow would come in and Ben Escrow was reading organic chemistry, chemistry. while he's squatting yep. in between sets. Right. And he's timing <laughs> his rest. He's not, he's working out hard, but he's like, I'm resting. I'm going to read. Right. And I remember I may, I, I may be one of the few people in the world and I would love it. I would go over to Ben and be like, Hey Ben, and he'd be like, yeah, I, I got a question. Okay. And I would ask Ben a question and he would do his Ben Escrow philosophical. Well, right? yeah, and, no, well, and, I, and I would just sit there and go like, yeah like this is to this day to this day i've not met a thinker in a mind like ben escrow he has the most fantastic mind uh and i'm lucky that we got to be partners for years dude for years and he and i we actually just got to anytime we're in town we just get together and stuff like that and we always say we're like man the saddest thing that ever happened to us was that business got between us right like we were good solid friends solid buddies but we always say like the thing we should have picked should have been like a passion project, right? It shouldn't have been business 30 grand a month type stuff. Right. It was because that makes you become not that person anymore. Right. You have to be purely the business person. Right. So, well, man, that's I one thing days. that Casim uh, has really blessed me with uh, being like, what are you good at and what do you want to do? Absolutely. Okay. And the things that I don't want to do and, and, and I, I have nothing, I'm not a business person. It's crazy. I have no, I don't like know anything about money or anything. I'm like really bad. Actually, sometimes I forget to send invoices to clients. I forget. I'm like, oh shit, I better do that. Like, I'm so some, good with money. It's unbelievable. I'm bad with it. Like, and it's not, and it's not like that I spend it or save it. It's like, I guess like you consider me saving it. Cause it just, I, I comes in and I'm just like, okay, it's can just I something give, that can happens. I, can I give you something that, that <laughs> may, that may change you. It may please, or may not. I'm, please, I'm not trying yeah, to anything. Absolutely. I, my, one of my passions is business, the way that you dive into fitness and training. So I like training, but I love business. It's actually seeing how it works and how it flows and how it moves. If I were to say what money is to a business, right? And here's what people don't want to do in business. They don't want to look at money. Money to me is like looking at a blood panel, right? It is like, it is like, what is the health of the efforts that I'm making for the public? 
right? And it's not so much from, are you maximizing gross dollar or anything like that? It's just healthy markers. So when I look at accounting, I look at it a lot like data mining when I'm doing programming or something. It's the, it's the blood. It's the little tiny stuff on a cellular level that it's not important. It's not the biggest thing, right? The more important thing is getting out there and living life. And But to look at your blood work every now and then, that's how I feel about money. And it is one of the most fun experiences of business, if you can ever get into it, getting into the details of money. It's amazing. Oh, I definitely, because I, I, even though I'm not a math whiz, I'm a numbers guy because everything is driven by data. It's just analyzing data and getting things and sometimes compiling data and like, how do I get all these data sets down to less numbers, right? Like something like compiling. I even have a, a nice, Ryan, I have a really nice algorithm I've written that I've, I would love to share with you, but I'm just not that confident in it yet okay. that I'm like variations of exercises that I think, does it have good payoff or dividends towards the main movement? Like, so you run it for a block of training and I'm like, did overhead pressing really improve this person's bench press for powerlifting? Interesting. And I've like logged that data and then I can like, you know, after four, six, eight weeks of training, I'm like, you know, let's pull it. It's, I'm just not, there's, there's no payoff here. That is for, I have two statements on this one. Cool. That is a long stretch of, from, um, the empirical evidence we've been using Mm -hmm. right right now where our job is effectively is that you kind of got to look at a set of pictures and be like, yeah, I think it's working. Right. Mm -hmm. That's about it. That's about as good as we got. And you were bringing in something that has, uh, I would do that. That has actual objective, measurable, objectifiable, Right. Ways to and, see if something is progressing. And so here, and you know what, Austin, I should probably, are we record? I'm sorry. I didn't we're even recording. know. We're just, we're Dude, just keep guessing. going. This is the whole okay. thing. Okay, this cool. This is the whole point cool. of this. This is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, so, this is all we're doing today. Right. Yeah. So here, right. And my, my, my idealist philosophy about this whole thing is imagine every cell, cell in the body, and from a kidney cell, heart cell, hair, nail, doesn't matter, liver, muscle, in some way or shape, it is trying to communicate with the outside world. It can't tell you. It's just a system of systems reacting and trying to get a message out. You know, like even not to sound weird, but a fart and a burp means something. Is it bad or good? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe sometimes it might, man, that's like sometimes gas. You're like, Hey, there's something up, man. Adam, like, come on, dude, that's not right. But it's trying to tell you something. So it's like, there's actually, I think, there's a lot of objective data out there. We just don't know how to read it or even process it. Or to, like, even if you, if you really get into it, and now it's a lot, but I have some clients, now it's a pain in the ass, but even if you get into people taking their blood sugars regularly throughout the day, you go, okay, now I have this data. This person's eating four or five meals a day. I have this morning fasting blood glucose, and I have this blood glucose level two hours post-meal. This all means something. What does it mean? So this, this, this is where I say no, right? Mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Yeah. And so hear me out, hear me out. And it may be personal. So I feel like, uh, I've spent all of my early years. So now 32 years old in the, in the, in the field of being an elite athlete. So when I hear that, I'm like, damn, for the 1% of athletes. And I, I have athletes who do blood glucose fasting, they fast, they test in the morning. Like I understand the whole concept I've heard, but how at large, I feel like at least my goal, right? And I know Austin and I have, I'd like to hear Austin's input on this. Austin and I have talked about this. What you're doing, you're in the lab, you're in the trench, you're figuring out stuff for the best of the best. And that's what you've always done. I feel like I've made a shift to, I have to be honest, I probably have 
you know, if I have 50 people on board right now, maybe actually seven of them are like world level elite. Yeah. And yeah. the rest, I'm not telling my, my mom for to prick or prick or frick. No, no, right? no, never do that. I hope I didn't come off that way. I would never do that. Right. So, and I'm just, of yeah, course, I would not so, so of course you want. So I feel like for me, how do we take these things that with what you're doing, which dude, I see it and it's like, it's awesome, right? It's, it's, it's amazing. It's working. How does that all trickle down? And I feel like this is always the problem I see with the fitness industry more and more. Oh, yeah. How do we get normal people yes. to do this? Which by the way, Austin, if you want to go to school, nobody teaches any of this shit. I hate to say, right, Ryan? Nobody in school, especially if you're seeing the fitness area go to more online, nobody's teaching people how to properly program design and like online. This is different than in person. And I'm sorry, but I had, a, I had great teachers and great professors, but nobody taught me how to train somebody. Right. In my, you know, I learned a bunch of stuff for the American College of Sports Medicine on what cholesterol readings were and shit like that and what's high blood pressure and what's low blood pressure. And then you get out in the field. And I remember for the first time I was, I worked with some athletes and I had was head of women's soccer and I had some distance runners, some cross country runners. And the cross country running coach was this fantastic, very, very like outside of the box thinking. And he was very, very smart. And he was like, well, I like my girl's total cholesterol to be a little bit, I'm going, that's high. And he gave me a bunch of reasonings and I went, shit, everything I spent the past four years, what a fucking waste of time. But it, it wasn't, it wasn't, but I was like, whoa, this is real world stuff. I, I've got a whole new uh, criteria I have to learn. Yeah, we, we're, we're yet to see since the early nineties, right? We're yet to see any one person die from high cholesterol, right? There are markers, there are 30 markers well before high cholesterol is the issue, right? No one jumps to high cholesterol. And dies. But, but you are right, Ryan, when you said, and I, I didn't mean to, but I wanted to bring you, bring it back to, because I wanted to hear what else you had to say. When we have people that you're like here, okay. I, like I have a couple people who are taking these blood, blood glucose levels, right? And you have some people where you're like, some elite people, and it doesn't mean they get better treatment. It's just kind of like, this is what we're working on. So I'm on the phone like every other day, like, hey, how, especially if it's competition prep, you're like every day, you know, hey, what's going on? But you're like, how do I, the things that work for them, how do I progress or regress this into the moms and dads? Because it's valuable information, but this has got to work for, right? And I don't want people pricking their fingers. It only be, prick. you know, little Betty's just trying to lose some weight and get off, you know, diabetic medication and, you know, wants to learn to work out correctly. Yeah. I'm not going to have her do blood sugars, you know, so I got to, you got to bring things back. And sometimes for those people, you're like, even like with nutrition, oh, like they've never weighed or counted anything in their life. And you're like, yeah, you don't have to do that. Don't worry about that. I want you to drink like more water. I think that's, I think that's why, and I, I'm saying this respectfully because I'm, I don't do what you do. Uh, that's why what you do is very important because I always have, I always, I always have this thought and when I look at stuff in a grocery store, I'm like, how do we know what to eat? We must yeah. have tried everything and said, this is the stuff to eat. Right. So I feel like fitness, we're in this weird frontier where actual research that gets funded and put through a lab for what we do is a foregone conclusion, right? There new studies are coming out about like carb cycling and we're like, come on, like we've, we've known this stuff since we've been doing this since 2002, right? We've been doing this stuff since forever. Um, so we can't count on because of restrictions with the IRB, we can't count on risky studies anymore within fitness, right? Every study that's going to happen is one that is safe and more or less probably already 10 years on, on a 10 year lag. So everything new that has to happen has to more or less come out of these. Um, I was talking to Brett Contreras about this last month, actually. 
more of these independent labs, right? When I say independent labs, I say that very loosely. People like Brett Contreras trying all types of weird glute shit, right? You, you pricking people's fingers, right? So it, what it takes they are, are mad scientists have to say, I'm going to try this out, right? We have to take risks. And then I'm hoping that if you have a model, I'd say more or less, if you have a model that starts out very inefficiently, like pricking people's fingers, hopefully the same way that strength training progressed, instead of lifting weights that were once a hundred years ago inefficient, we can invent hammer strength. We can create a system in time that says, hey, the, there's something to the blood sugar thing, but is there a more efficient way that we can get markers on on blood sugar without poking the, like maybe technology can advance to a point yeah. where it becomes, right? Because I do think that what you're doing is going to be the only thing to save the, I hate to even use the word, epidemic of obesity in America, right? Because what we did years ago, what was it probably 13 years ago with if it fits your macros and that stuff, that has boiled down into Weight Watchers, right? So the thing that I remember, I was on the, I was one of the first people to do if it fits your macros. And it has now become a commonplace way of dieting in the corporation, right? Points and Weight Watchers and things like that. So I think for me, I love what you're doing. And my question always will be, how do we make space blankets invented by NASA applicable down to the people, right? Yeah. So what does that yeah. ultimate streamline and timeline look like? Right. Here, so. And here's something I, I found what's interesting is that sometimes these complicated things, they're very, very simple. And then you're going, shit, we're kind of already doing this a little huh. So what I found too with regulating blood sugars that you'll find that, okay, calories in, calories out matter. Got it. Got it. Hormones play a little bit of a role in this for some people. Some things like up shit creek a little bit sometimes, but there's also times in the day, even for normal people, you're going, when you, you get a lot of blood sugar data on people throughout the day, you start to realize, you know what? There's times in the day when you don't need as many carbs. And there's other times in the day you need any carbs. So then I put this together with my years of working with some of the bodybuilders in my 40. And some of those guys would come in on the weekend and they'd be working with like Milo Sarchev. So Milo Sarchev used to talk about the three-hour window. When I write a diet, I think about what am I doing for the next three hours? Like, are we sitting in front of the computer reading? Fuel that. How many carbs do you need for that? Not many. Okay. But then after that, hey, you're going to go train it too. Think you're going to need carbs for that? Yeah. And then you're going to have recovery. Yeah. Okay. So then I was like, fuck, I think people have been doing this for a long time. It's like, you know what? Maybe all we really need to do to simplify this for people, the little Bettys is, Hey, let's get some good source food. When you get, when you get this under control and you're like, you know what good food is and you're choosing good food choices and you know what a good carbohydrate source is. Okay. We got that. You got that Betty. Yeah, I got that. Okay. Now, first thing in the morning and you're working in the office, let's not have as much of that stuff. But then you go to the gym, let's have a little bit more. And then you're going to recover. Let's have a little bit more after that. And that was it. And you, so like, like Austin, it's like Kassam would say, place the carbs around your workout. If you're worried about where they're going to go, put them closer to the training session. Then that way you get some nutrient partitioning, upregulation of AMPK, blah, blah, blah. And you can get a little bit of control and you're going, fuck, I get this complicated thing of taking blood sugars, but it's some shit that we just kind of naturally would do. You know, hey, tomorrow's an off day. You're not doing that much. If you want, maybe you can lower the carbs a little bit that day, but maybe keep calories the same, whatever you want to do. And, and also, I'm really big on like educating the clients to where they have power to make some choices on their own. That's a big deal. Like, should I eat this or should I not? 
What do you think? What do you think? Right. You know, like educate them into those. But like I said, this complicated thing of blood sugars and put it like through my head and play it over and over again with the things that I've learned. I'm going, this isn't that complicated. Right. I think I can just kind of move some carbs around. And for some people, it doesn't affect them at all. There are some people that can be carbs throughout the entire day, same like 66 every meal, and they're perfectly fine. Good. But not everybody can do that. Yeah. And, and, I, and I feel like this is, this is an important conversation because, uh, you know, not even 100 years ago, most of this country, 80% of this country were farmers still. They were still, oh, it was still over America, right? I love right? where this is going. I have a book. Go, Ryan. I want this to go really deep. Yes. We, uh, <laughs> we already had a good meal system, right? That's yeah. why there were breakfast foods, right? They were very fat, carb heavy to kind of get you kind of started for the day. Lunch, it was always something that was, had just a bit more uh, warmth and some hydration soups and things like that. Like, the, and then dinner, the farmer knew I get my big piece of protein. I get my big starch to recover for the day. I go to sleep. So breakfast foods in America a hundred years ago, they were, we, we had these down. We've had the cornbread muffin and sausage, right? We, we knew that was good for the, the morning, nothing big. And then lunch, a big bowl of lentil soup, you know, some, some water. And then for dinner, you get the big piece of meat. So we've had diets that have worked for centuries. And I feel like now that we've switched to this mostly 80% service industry where we sit on computers, right, where, where our activity is all simulated activity, all of it, right? There is, I have so little genuine activity labor that happens in my day. All of my labor is purposely done. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to move at the gym. I never move. So we need almost in America and I'd say probably around the world as it becomes more of a service industry to figure out what new eating for us looks like. So you, yes. you're right. So this morning I was, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I was going to have a bar when I came in here. I said, I'll just, I just had, I just had enough protein. I'll get a bar to get maybe 20 grams. I'm going to be sitting here for the next, I'm not doing, I'm not doing anything. I'm literally, I'm literally not doing anything. So, but that intuition that we've had comes from our combined years that we've been doing this 35, 40 years we've been doing this, uh, from an intuition of practice, right? So how do you get that empowerment you give to your client down to the empowerment of the normal person who has no instinct yeah. on no. what, they don't even know what more or less is. No, but they know what Dr. Oz is. And sometime, <laughs> right? God damn. Some bitch. I want to say this for anyone listening. If you live in Los Angeles, you already know what I'm talking about. Everyone should spend at least a year in their life in Los Angeles so you can see that everything that I've ever consumed in my life came from this little plot of warehouses. Like, and when you see the warehouses in Warner <laughs> Brothers, it's scary. You're like, they're like, oh yeah, that's uh, Oprah. Oh yeah, that's this. Oh yeah, that's uh, that one show. And you're just like, everything I've everything ever consumed <laughs> in my life came from this little lot in Bourbon. Dude, it's scary. Oh my gosh. Right? Oh. And then you don't, and you don't realize, dude, it looks like, it looks like a, uh, and when you see the warehouses, they look like manufacturing farms of entertainment, right? Like yeah. they're in a studio, you know? And so then, you're, you're saying it's kind of like the Matrix. Like we're in a Matrix. It's Matrix-y, dude. Right? It's Matrix-y. It's I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, going to LA in that first three months, it's like it's like the scene where Neo gets out of the goop and he sees the world. That's, yeah. And you realize how fake it all is. And where all your information has come from has been in this condensed little place in Bourbon, California. Right. Scary stuff, man. 
Well, even with that too, is with that. So that's like the mainstream. Then you have information coming at you through social media, which we could talk for six or seven hours on that. And then you have also information that comes from academia. And, but every, but then now there is this, like the, the stereotype that's put on that is that it's academia. So it's the Holy grail. But yet when I read some of the studies, I'm going, well, this is shit. Like how, and actually I would like to say that for everybody that's listening to this, how, how, you know, peer reviewed research has changed in the past 10 years. It used to be damn hard to get something published. Now I'm pretty sure the TV guide gets shit published by certain fucking things right i'm just going i look at some of this stuff and i'm going mike mike he's a fellow alum of southeast missouri state university dr jeremy lineke i know that when he looks up some of this stuff that he's just going don't waste my time don't waste my time dr lineke jeremy is the last standing last man standing in academia uh, <laughs> he's, he's so well read dude he's been offered i won't i won't give out anything he's been offered amounts of money that would not change his life would set his life if he just would plug his research to, and market it he could be oh dude, yeah he won't sell he yes. won't sell and Don't I see, it. and because you know what? I would have and, sold out oh so long ago. So long ago. I see in gyms when we do seminars. Not that good. Yeah, all over the world. <laughs> I see gyms with these I like see Adam Miller approving oh, raps everywhere. They, they, those, those Pink, damn, blue, they, red. Yeah, gold. all of them. And I'm just this is all off of his research. But it's all like Bob and Tom's companies are making this. I'm like, that doesn't say Dr. Linicky on that motherfucker. Or I think he's at Ole Miss right now, correct? Yeah. Is that yeah, right in Oxford. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, God, I, I shouldn't say because he's a super dude, right? And one of the most well-read people you'll ever meet. But I will say this to his credit. I remember Jeremy when he, he was in his undergrad. And, you know, Jeremy came out of a school in a place called Southeast Missouri. It's called Jackson, Missouri. It's like right next to Cape Girardeau. And it's, 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 it's separated by an interstate. It's two towns that are separated by an interstate. Which side of Missouri is this? Illinois side? Or southeast, southeast. We're really close to actually Cairo, Illinois. Okay. We'll just, yeah. So it's South Cairo. Illinois. Yes, yeah, South, Southern, Southern. Right. The part of Illinois where you people from Chicago have forgotten We don't even about. know it exists. You don't, don't even, even know, know it exists. exists. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Down there. And Jeremy, you're talking about coming out of high school. It's like Jeremy's uh, probably voted most to go to jail type per, right? Like he just, yeah. But once you get in, so for you guys out there that just hate high school, you know, and you just don't like school, you take somebody like Jeremy though, you just had to get him at the time. He's super focused into bodybuilding. You put him in a university that he can study fitness and give him application. It was game game over. Cause he just had to have, Hey, some, it's like the kid that goes to math class, but gets, does really poor in math, but he's your best friend. You're like, but that guy can fix any vehicle right. out in the parking lot. He's got a talent. Yes. You can't call him dumb. He's actually a genius and he's all going to fix your cars and he's going to own the biggest shop in town when we graduate. Right. Jeremy's that guy. You're just like, he just needed that Avenue to get into, to study. And it was, yeah. I mean, I, then I would later on would even hear stories in grad school, like Jeremy's sitting in grad classes and people would be like, professor going blah 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 and jeremy go no that's not right uh-uh and you're like would you care to elaborate and he's like where are your sources and jeremy would hold up like a usb port i got 63 of them right here that say you're wrong <laughs> that's him right and so he, to so i tell it's he's like hey, yeah he just loved the science and found that he just needed that avenue and something to find and i couldn't be prouder and happier i remember him like walking on the treadmill with his damn legs and he's like a teenager he was a teenager 
with ace bands wrapped around his femoral arteries walking on the treadmills for like 20 and 40 minutes. Like, Jeremy, you know, is this, and at the time, you know, I was older than him and, and working and I'm going, I don't know, but I know your passion and I know he's real red. So you're like, just, I'm just like, Jeremy, let me know how, how it turns out. Okay. And you're just like, God, I hope he doesn't fall off that treadmill. Cause he's like, <laughs> I can't really feel my feet. I'm like, yeah. And just, <laughs> just keep walking. <laughs> and he, you know, and it's, yeah, he won't sell out. And I just, I just love that about him and all of that yeah. stuff. I have to I have to give it to him. So Jeremy Jeremy started obviously you know his story. Yeah. He yeah. was in that Lane Norton group with me early on. Early um, on. Yeah. Just doing seminars and stuff. And Lane really he made our career early on. He he said, Here are some of my favorite uh kind of young kids in school, Jeremy, Ben Escrow and, and me, and he and he put us, he gave us a platform and I forever great forever grateful to him for it. Um, and I saw all of us slowly, Paul Ravella, all of us just slowly oh, starting oh, to get, yeah. um, Lauren Conlon's one of those, you know, like we all slowly just started to become solid in our careers, bringing income in and we were going, doing all these things. And Jeremy was just like, science, right. And it was just like, I would have, dude, I would have, I, I, I don't, he, he is made of something that I'm not, um, I think when you were speaking earlier to double back, you said something about um, something about academia, and I think I think people who are at, who who have gone through the rigor of academia can speak about it openly and criticize yes. it. Right? I always cringe a little when I hear people who never went to college talk about how bad college is. It's just like, well, you you don't have a full perspective. I I think college is in this weird place. Academia right now is in this weird place where I do think it does has about have value. I think it's given me immense value um, to give me challenging my thinking to give me increase my creative process give me knowledge but it's given me no help even going to business school in the real world right it's given me no actual help i think if academia in these next few years can somehow rebrand themselves away from the promise of the career it would really help them because i think most people are going to college and overpaying because college has somehow stolen uh the identity that Hey, if you want to be successful in your career, you got to come through our system first. When in reality, every single person in academia, not one person has actually been out there in the real world. They go to school, they graduate, and then they come right back to school again. And then they go work at the school. They've never been out in, in the real world to even know what the real world is. But yet they're telling all these people, hey, we'll give you an education and prepare you for the real world. And not one of them has actually been in the real world for a lifetime. So I feel that college has great value and great experience. And it's a great experience, but can you get that experience and can they drop the whole, we will make your career better when it's just mm-hmm. not the case. No. So this is why I'm going. So I'm glad you guys kind of brought all You've these things You've got to up. change it, Austin. We're leaving that to you. That's your job. So I don't know if I'm a person that's going to change <laughs> this. I don't think, I don't think that's the case. I'm going to be quite honest, but one thing that, um, you know, so obviously I've spent time, you know, I've, I've been a colleague of yours for years, Adam, um, collectively. And I did my undergrad. Uh, I have, you know, at this point, I have six going on seven years of practitioner experience of just being in and out of so many different doors, working with so many different cool people um, that we all are aware of. And it's one of those things where I've my original plan was always to continue on with school, 
but I knew at the time when I was done with my undergrad, I was like, this isn't the time, which is why I came down in my 40. I interned. And that's why immediately after I interned there, it wasn't a month later that I graduated. It wasn't two weeks later that I got married. It wasn't two weeks after that, that I moved to Australia. And my, my career as a practitioner and on paper took off. And, you know, it's just been, it's just been gaining experience, getting into different networks, learning from different minds. Um, you know, Casim's obviously one that we all collectively benefit from. Um, and Adam and I know the nitty gritty of that situation as far as all that we've learned as, as far as critical thinking and really where, if we're looking, if we're talking about, you know, program design and the way that, where all this is going to go eventually, it's just a matter of everyone kind of tearing down the walls of their ego and agreeing on nomenclature and agreeing on whatever measuring contest is being had currently. But I think once we get past that, we're all going to collectively be like, fuck, this dude has something. Um, And I think that's on collectively on both ends that that needs to change. But that's what that's why I'm going back as far as I didn't have professor. I had one professor that was a practitioner that taught me everything I knew coming out of undergrad. And that dude gave me hope in my, in my career early on that one guy. That's all it takes. It's all one guy, one person. Right. And so for me, for me, I, it's not that I wanted to become that one guy. It's that I, I love like us traveling Adam and, you know, our European trip that we did, the seminar trip that we did in, in London and in Amsterdam and these different places, like seeing those aha moments, seeing, you know, I still get messages. I know you do too, from guys that we met on that tour that are still having breakthroughs based off shit that we taught them on that, at that seminar. And that's, that's the purpose. And me being a practitioner, me having all this different experience, me being a realist, but also in the sense of kind of a, a laissez-faire as, as you know, Ryan mentioned, I'm a lot like Ryan in that way where it's just like, well, you know, fuck it. This is the way it is. Okay, cool. Um, but there's a part of me that knows, and even when I was going through it, knew it needed to change. Because out of, the, you know, out of the three of us, I'm I've the most recent to basically be in that scenario. And at where that was when I graduated, like late 2016, early 2017, where it, I think it could be and knowing where people that are getting into this industry, what kind of voice they need, what kind of person they need, someone with someone who has practitioner experience, someone who's been in the real world, got clients, great results, but clients on stage, help clients do this, do that had a successful business who has employees who has like all of these different things I wish I would have had. And I had one guy who had any practitioner experience and he changed the course of my life as far as giving me hope in any of this shit. You remember his name? Yeah. Josh Wildeman. Okay. Awesome. I think, I think he deserves a shout out. So oh, like, absolutely. I, yeah, yeah. We, all, we always have those people, right? I have high school coaches. I'll still on podcast be like, you know, coach Somers suit gave in St. Genevieve, Missouri, saved my track and field career and let me go to school. Yeah. yeah Josh from Lebanon. He, yes. he, um, he essentially, you know, he was a guy in my high school. Um, so he started out as a history teacher at the high school I was going to, 
Um, my brother had them for history his freshman year. I was still in junior high at this time. And I remember I was in, I was in seventh grade going into eighth grade and the initial, so between that gap year, those two gap years, he had gone on to get his master's. He got USA Olympic, you know, weightlifting certified. He got a CSCS in a matter of these like two years, um, as my brother had him for history. And then he just was like, it clicked for him. He's like, Nope, this is what I'm doing. And he went and got it. He did it. He changed the course of his career, became our high, very overqualified high school strength conditioning coach. And in eighth grade, I got introduced to Josh and, you know, as an eighth grader, I'm in there doing simulated power cleans, hang cleans, Olympic lifting. I'm learning how to squat. I'm learning mechanics, which is where all this stuff starts to really turn on for me. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. This is interesting. And that's where like kind of my spark for like technique, exercise, execution, mechanics, all this shit starts to kind of really flow for me. And so then I was like, okay, well, maybe I could go, on. let's, let's go to universe, you know, go through high school. I had them for all four years and, you know, it, dude is militant in the way that he is a fucking strength conditioning coach. So he's just like, let's fucking go, you know? And so he instilled that in me, um, but in a productive way. And then I had the luxury of having him as soon as I, so I went to Ball State um, my freshman year. So I went away um, and got that, you know, year, year experience away from, you know, from home. And that was fantastic and um, a great start to my college career. And then when I came back as a, as a second year, as a sophomore, so my second through fourth year of college, I had Josh again, but oh, now shit. as a professor. Now he was strength conditioning for uh, sports teams at the university, which is a division, uh, a higher level division two school. So now I have Josh, someone I'm very familiar with, someone who's changed the course of my life already in high school, come into my life in college. And honestly, he keeps just showing up. And so for me, where it's not that I want to go back for the sake of it. I want to go back because I feel a legitimate pull I feel somewhat empty. I feel as if that paper could literally, the paper I've been putting my resume on of my quote unquote success over the years, it could literally blow away and it has zero effect on me at this point because it's, it's everything's written in pencil at this point. I need something to be start. I need something to be written in pen. And I think going back to university, that's the first thing that's going to be written in pen for me. And you know, the things that are written in pencil, obviously are going to fade over time, but they're going to be what feeds in to what is written in pen. Right. So that's what, that's what it means to me. I, I think you, honestly, I'm, I'm envious in some ways, uh, because I, I went to school to feed my career. That's the reason why I did it. That's the reason why I would argue that 98% of I would do I would have the same college, argument, man. Right. I want this degree because I get paid more. I want right. You already have found success, travel, love, a good home. Uh, you are more or less as actualized as the average American is gonna get in your life already, right? You 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 have you have the American dream. You are selectively going back to getting an education for the sake of your education. You just want to know a broader scope of things that may not apply to what you're doing. Um, you just want to know more. You just want to know the full field of it. And that to me is what education 
should be about, at least in your older years. Um, I wish I could go back sometimes as a kid and relearn some of those things I know I learned, but Same, I, just, dude. I just, I just, I just, I just took, I just shoved it in my brain, put it on the test, dumped it out, went to IHOP and then lifted after, you know, you know what I mean? Like I wish, so dude, I am in some ways envious that you get to go and have this education with money in your pocket with a good life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wish I could repeat my experience, but, uh, make the best of it for, for us, dude, for us that, uh, haven't gone back to dive back into the world of academia, but please enjoy it, man. I have plenty, man. That's why I have like, and I feel, so I don't feel as if I could have done it. And I, you know, you brought that up and I don't feel as if I could have done it without the, the past six, seven years under my belt, whether that's as a competitor who had, who had success as a competitor, that's someone who's had success as a coach, someone who's been fortunate enough to be in the same rooms and have conversations with guys like yourself and being able to teach alongside Adam in different countries, you know, different on different continent. Like that's to me is something that was just came unforeseen to me. Like I look back and I'm just like, none of this makes sense because I, I don't know how it happened, but it's just, you know, it's the, it's the small things that keep adding up. It's the decisions you make. It's, harassing people over email to get that internship to meet you adam you know it's like but i I think if there's there's if there's one thing i would add to that though you have you have that same thing i have where you keep trying to figure out why am i here how did i get into this room and the answer is dude if you really stop and look around it's because you're competent and you deserve like you're never in a room by accident right you didn't do those london seminars that's right we could have a whole conversation about that right i totally agree with you that's late night thinking ryan would you call me at midnight (laughs) (laughs) we will just geek out on it i'm serious man (laughs) you guys can go you guys can go now i don't care dude and i i as i get as i'm telling you this is coming with age dude i spent my whole life thinking i I, how did i do that how was i that strong man my physique looked like that but i spent my whole life thinking that how did I somehow trick my way into this? How did I somehow scam my way into all this? But the truth is, dude, when you look back and when you look at the receipts, the fact is that the universe has a formula. It says, here's a certain amount of skill I'm going to give you for free in genetics. And it's up to you to, to, to add the, to do the math of hours, 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 work, work, work. The thing that, that, that we do is that we're not crybabies about the work, right? That's one thing I said, Adam, earlier. We're not lazy. Dude, I will, I do all nighters and I forget about it the next day. I don't brag and complain about them, right? It's like, I'll do the work and I know even during it, I'm trying to get through it. And I don't hold grudges on hard work, right? There are people like, uh, I don't want to say our fathers, but our fathers, the generation before us, they were bitter about their work, right? They could, they came home and they said, I've been working all damn week. I don't want anybody to talk, right? We come from this weird generation where we've gotten to choose our passion. And dude, you've put in hours, right? You were probably the best one, the resume, probably the best resume when you were intern, right? You just won the game. And I think at some point you have to start taking credit that you won and you deserve to be here, right? Because dude, you, you've seen people who've made big followings and then it's like, damn, what happened to that person? They've disappeared, right? There's for some reason, there's a reason why we're perennial, right? There's a reason why we as a people, there's a reason why I, I hate to say it. There's a reason why as MI40 is successful or not successful, that is what N1 is going to be or that's what you're going to be. There's a reason why DeNovo can't define me. I think at some point us as individuals have to say like, you know what, no matter where I'm at, dude, I'm, I'm going to swim. 
I'm going to thrive, right? And there's at some point we have to accept that. And it's so hard. It's so hard to do. It's so hard to do. There was a, I'm sure you guys have come across it too. Uh, Pat Ivey, who used to be the head strength coach at the University of Missouri. uh, I believe he just, he's some, he just got a, he's somewhere else now. I apologize. I can't, but one of his key traits, you have all these people that are good strength coaches underneath him. Uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Brian Mann was one, uh, uh, Josh Stoner. I mean, guys that you're like, like wrote the book on how to program and design for college football. Actually, they yeah, have Brian a book, Mann. Yeah. right? Yeah, Brian Mann. Yeah. And then you have uh, uh, Dr. Andrew Paul, all these guys, right? And you're going, Pat Ivey won coach of the year one year for the NSCA. And you, his strongest quality was I have all these people that I bring into the system and put them in areas where they will succeed. He's at U of L, I guess. Yeah, yeah, he should. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's at Louisville right now. So his strength was, oh, I know all I know all the science and the program design. It was I can see where people's strengths are and put them in an avenue where they can succeed. And I tell you what, when I found that out, I was like, that's probably the ideal boss. If you really look at it, I don't know, like if you're hedge fund manager, maybe I'm sure, I don't know how any of that works, Brian, not a business, not a money guy. And here I am talking about hedge fund, right? <laughs> right? right? Yeah. <laughs> so, but you know, it's like, maybe a good one isn't, I know everything there is about money. Maybe I just know people real well and they know it. Like that's what a really good manager boss kind of is, is like, I know where to put everybody at so that they can succeed and be the person that they want to be, not a round peg in a square hole, right? And I think that's the key for success too, for even a company is to get in an environment. And Austin, you brought it up and I'm Brian. I know we have talked about this three or four years ago in Tampa and the fucking heat and humidity (laughs) of like, it's just about getting yourself surrounded with the right people, you know, and then letting yourself develop. It's not changing who you are to fit some kind of, Oh, I'm I'm at the University of Tampa now, and now I have to change who I am or anything like. No, you, not one bit. And you know what I think too is that I think uh, a lot of people hear that, and and we we know it. And it, I admit it, it annoys me when people are trying to do that. Right? I see people say, "Hey, man, can we uh, catch up for? Can we get a coffee? I'd like to pick your brain or something like that." So here's the thing: I understand what people are attempting to do. You've heard people say over and over, "Get yourself around people better than you." But the trick to it is, is that you have to make sure that you come open with your course, right? You have to be, right? Like when I see a kid who's 21 years old and I see something about him, like, so maybe you, you know, Adam, maybe you 10 years ago. And I was like, man, this kid is, he's not polished, but he's gotten a lot of ideas. He talks a lot. I like him. I'm going to, I'm going to take him under my wing. Right. So I feel like when I do a lot of these lunches and meetings and I try to give people a chance, they try to literally come be as nice as they can be on their best behavior. And they're like, okay, I'm around a person who's better than me. This should just work by osmosis now, right? No, like express, if you get a chance to have a coffee with, 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 with Austin or me, come and just be weird. You be, be odd. I'll never forget the first time, the first time I met Lane Norton, this was years ago. He was microwaving his lunch in a styrofoam container. And I thought, sure, sure. Surely this guy has to know. <laughs> well, that explains a lot, right? <laughs> right? I was like, surely. I'm sorry. And, so, I'm sorry. and so that was the first time that I realized in my mind, a person who is successful is still a person, right? And I was like, this guy has to know about the styrofoam microwave thing, right? And it's like, but sure enough, but and, and that's the thing. It's like, 
when you come around and you get a chance to be around people better than you, express who you are. Show them that I'm not developed yet, but I'm a... I'm interested in this or that like no one wants to be around a brick wall and just by osmosis energy, give you information. And I feel like there's this weird culture of ask, ask, be willing to help, but uh, people are completely afraid to be themselves. And I think a lot of that ironically enough is because of academia, because you have to sit in class a certain way. You have to act a certain way. You have to approach your professors, professors a certain way. You have to call them professor. You have to go to them and say, professor, can I please? And all these things that it, it, it erases the uh, the opportunity for, like you said, in a business to just understand people, right? Like I can never understand a professor uh, unless, like I you, you were talking about the relationship you had uh, Austin with, I forgot his name, uh, Josh. 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 And I called him Josh in school. Like I, that was it. And he probably didn't care, did he, Austin? Not a not a bit. Right. That's so perfect. That perfect. That and that and so and that's what obviously what we're doing in our coaching. I'm meeting you as a people. I'm not your coach. I'm just your partner in this trying to lead you to the promised land, trying to get you to the goal. I'm not your boss. I can't tell you what to do. And I feel like the only, the only way we will, we will ever get people to say, how do I get in this room I don't deserve in and continue to keep being in it is that if you be who you are and you express who you are. Because if you come and you're just a silent fly on the wall, you won't be invited back again. So, so yeah, you deserve to be in those rooms. Austin, like it's because you earned your way back day two, you earned your way back day three, right? You just wasn't by chance or by fate. So yeah, man, own that. You got to start owning that dude. Too old to be doing this. I don't know how I got there. Shit. You know, you're the well, shit. shit, man. It's, it's a, <laughs> no, it's, it's not a matter of like, you know, and I don't know if it came across that way. And if it did, like, obviously it did to some degree, cause you wouldn't have said that. So, you know, I, I don't know if there is definitely a sense of, you know, I got to cut that shit out as my grandfather would say. Um, and I agree. And it comes down also to, it's just a matter of the, the curiosity of all of that. You know, it's, it's the meta thinking about, it's just getting, it's trying to think too much about every fucking thing and situation. Well, you know, it's not even like, I'm not even trying to say it's, and I think commonly mistaken is like trying to think too much about these things. Meaning like, I'm so intellectual. Like I probably have the most average IQ of anyone here. But you're just analyzing the thing. I'm analyzing the situation. And one of my, you know, something my grandma always, always says, and I, I was telling Adam before we, we, you know, you hopped on and we started recording, you know, my grandma's starting to, to lose her mind a bit. So, um, which is unfortunate, but, you know, so she tells the same things kind of, she'll, she'll repeat herself. And one thing she's always, always tells me, she keeps saying it is I've always been that way when I was young. I always, so my brother's two and a half years older than me. I, when my brother started pitching machine, I started pitching machine at four and a half, five years old. When my brother started tackle football, I started tackle football. Didn't matter. And, but I didn't start until I was ready. Meaning I've always been an observant analyst. I've always been that way. And I'm not going to jump in until I'm fully certain I've got it somewhat figured out to the degree that I can come in being myself. Like you said, like, I'm not just going to jump in, you know, for a coffee or for a lunch. I'm not just going to jump in that situation. I need to analyze it. I need to know. So I, so I am, uh, and this is probably why you and I obviously are what we are. Dude, you, if I had to liken myself to someone else in this industry, it's always been you, right? It's like you and I are like, we're doing different things, 
but our brain is it's like every time I see you do something, every time I see you do something, I'm like, I would have done it that way too. I see, I see how he does that, right? Like uh, you have um, when it, you have the library of uh, form videos, you have some where you're mic'd up and things like that. I don't want to do those. But when I see yours, I'm like, I probably would have done it that way if I would have done I was like, I like that. It's, it's good. You and I have very similar, similar brains. And I've been that way since I was a kid too. And there's been something that since I've been since I've been living with my girlfriend, something I've realized about my about of with her, and it's almost saddens me to some degree, is that if I think of the world as if I were a squirrel, right? I'm living in a world of competition, right? We still humans are still not maybe in the bi- old biological form of competition that we had out there in the woods, uh, fighting, scrapping, but the world we live in, this capitalistic world, it's formed our new way of surviving, our new way of uh, of competition, right? The new competition is, can you go way at line at the grocery store? Be nice. It's a, it's a new form of competition. So if I've seen what is the golden trait in this new world, right? In this world that we live in, the golden trait to have, and it pisses me off and I hate that it, it, it's the one. It's that who can put out the most volume of hours? That is the one that works. So, so and I, the reason I bring up my girlfriend, her thing, she's not, she's not a thinker like me. She doesn't reflect like me. She doesn't have insight like me, but her thing that comes the most natural to her is to work a hundred hours and just be like, I don't know. I feel fine. It feels normal for her. It's like, she's going crazy during this quarantine that her hours are down to four hours a day, right? Her thing is ours. And I look at the world and I'm like, in the game I'm playing currently, right? Of what matters most, what matters most in terms of winning, I'm just talking Jeff Bezos winning, is ours. I'm heartbroken that I'm not an hours guy. I'll never be an hours guy. I'm a thinking guy. I'm a reflecting guy. Don't get me wrong. I work my hours. I work, who knows, 50 hours a week, 55. It's still a lot, but I don't have a blast when I go up to 70, right? I just don't. I just don't like it. And it's been something that I've been trying to accept for years, and I think I finally accepted it. I'm not Gary Vee. I'm not an hours guy. I'm never going to be an hours guy. I'm never going to wake up like Will Smith and Ford, right? So because of that, I have to accept that the main game that people are playing on here is who can put on the most hours. That's what people value the most in the market, and that's what's valued in the world. That's why I think, ironically, Donald Trump is the president he is, whether you judge him good or bad. Dude, that guy puts out more content than the three of us combined, and he's the president <laughs> he of the United does, States, yes. right? Yes. Dude, he's that's just true. dumping content. Dude, like, And I'm like, he's regardless of what the tweets say, however you feel about them, I, I can only step back as a content creator to be like, wow, I can do this once a day. Dude, he's just, and he's president. So I'm just like, ours. Ours is a formula. The guy's not a smart guy. He's not brilliant. He's not a thinker. But he got to the president of the United States by doing ours. So I have this weird thing where I'm like, all right, my superpower that I was born with, the thing that you said that you've been doing since you were two years old, that superpower, that thing where we think, that thing, Adam, that keeps you up at night, our brains, if that were the case, then academics would rule the world, right? Mm-hmm. If that, mm-hmm. but, but the academics don't rule the world. People who just can go and grunt and do 150 hours rule the world. So I've been really, really, I don't want to say struggling with it, but accepting that I have to, in order to get what I want in this world, I have to forgo my favorite thing, thinking and brain time. And I just, some days don't, some days, dude, I probably have three, four days a week where I don't even think a thought. 
I just get the work done, dude. And it's, it hurts me to do it, but I'm in a phase of my life right now where I need hours. I need just bang, bang, bang them out, bang them out, bang them out. Um, so my ultimate goal with that being said is maybe I can have a goal of retirement so I can spend my last 15 years in a library in deep thought and things like that. And I could do it now, but I can't lie. I like business too much. I like the money part. I like it. I enjoy the money part a little too much to give it up. So maybe one day I'll let it go. I'll let the money stuff go and I'll just read and I'll just think and I'll put up. But dude, see, and Ron, that's, that's, I think that's where you and I differ. Not that one's better than the other because there's a billion people in the world. So there's a billion options, right? So for me, I'm going to choose fun. I choose fun, right? So even like, I love, you know, but it's, like, I want to enjoy, I want to do my retirement now. Can we do that? I just got to work at the same time a little bit, mm. but I just don't, you do point break, yep. movie point break. Patrick Swayze, Bodie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to rob a bank, but I want to be Bodie. <laughs> Instead of robbing banks, I'll train people online and shit. I watched that movie one time last year. Oh, not enough. Once a month. <laughs> got to do, do it. Got to do it, it's man. Like a, it's, it's like, like yeah, it's like favorite. It's a weird movie. Oh, pff, yeah. Cool Runnings. Got to do it. Cool Once Runnings. A month. I can right. do it. Some cool Runnings, yeah, though. Cool Runnings is the shit. Sandlot. Come on. Those are good. Cool. Yeah, Those are Sandlot. Yeah. You're doing the fun now. Yeah, because it's, I would just, for for me, I just want, some people say balance. I'm like, I know I don't want balance. I don't, no, that's what other, no, I don't want any balance in my life whatsoever. I want, like, I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm choosing to work right now because I enjoy doing it. It just so happens that what I really enjoy doing, I just happen to make money doing it. Right. Right. But also sometimes, and I know you guys get the same way too. You get to like a deadline. You're like, man, I really got to get this finished. And you're like, I'm not in the right mindset. That's what tears me apart because then I know it's going to be a subpar product. Right. If I don't enjoy doing it, and the thing is, is it's not that I don't like it. It's like at that point, right there in that day, at that moment, it's not going to be fun for me. So like, what do you do, Adam? I don't fucking do it. I don't. It's going to be shit. I don't force myself. And there's nothing, and I have no problem with people that do. And I'm like, yeah, but guess what? At some point in that day, it will get done. It just might happen later in the day and it causes those all nighters. I hear your your take and your philosophy. And I think that sounds, to me, most appealing. It sounds fantastic. It sounds great. It's not the best. I'm saying it's not the best. But... (laughs) But I feel like there's this weird thing in me that has this, I don't want to say, it's almost like this weird masochist part of me that shines so brightly. That's like, I, when I, when I spent my years as a competitor, all the success that I think I've ever had as a competitor, I never had fun one prep ever. And I didn't care to have fun. I'm here. This like, I've always saw it as this guy thinks he can beat me. All right. Like I'm going to enjoy ripping. I'm going to enjoy seeing the blood come on all of my competitors. And I'm going to do this because it's going to feel better than any fun that I can ever have. Right. I can go up there and crush. I can win best lifter. I can blow you off in the back, the front, the side. That has always been a more satisfying feeling in whatever my psyche is. It's like a, it, I when I watch obviously a lot of us do now on Netflix watch a lot of the serial killer stuff and the way they and the way they talk about killing is the way I'm like hey that's me just in a sport 
Like, that's how I feel. I feel like I want to taste blood. So I feel like I've given that up. And this is actually my weird transition. I gave that up in comp- competing and I felt, I felt it leave my body. I'm never going to be the competitor I was. I felt that ferocious thing leave. Uh, and then I had a few years, like when I was in California and I was having fun. And then just recently, last year, I'm just looking at my business now and I'm like, hey, I want to do that in this thing. And so now I'm back, right? That old guy of like, I don't want to have fun is back, dude. I wish, I'm telling you, uh, the same way how your thoughts keep you up at night, I wish, I wish I could have more fun. I wish I could do it. Um, but there is just something in me, some spirit, some demon, some something that's just like, ah, let's do this thing more than I want to have fun. And I wish, I wish I didn't have it, but God, I got it. I don't know what, it's like that, it's like that thing Kobe talked about. I don't know what it is. I'm not saying I'm Kobe, but I'd rather, if you show me fun and you show these two options are equal, if you're like, hey, here's fun. Or, hey, here's like a fist fight. I take the fist fight. That just seems more alive to me. It, and it, I, I wish I didn't have this trait. I wish I could just have more fun. I wish I could be a more fun person. I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I have moments, Ryan, like you're describing. Um, and I, they come when, you know, it's almost like there's this catalyst that kind of happens where I'm just like, you know, there's this spark. Yeah. And there, there's kind of been a gas leak a, a brewing and a crewing in the room. And then all it takes is a spark. And then there's just like, fuck it. And then I'm like, I'm in, I'm tasting blood. Let's fucking go. You, then, you call it a spark. My mother called it my ADD. I want to do something else. I want to do, I want to do something. <laughs> and I think the part of me that's also kind of has moments like Adam is that's my current fight for, you know, I, I agree. Like I'm not an hours guy. Like someone, um, you know, someone that I can, can relate this to is like, uh, my business partner, Alex, like dude is an hours guy. He puts fucking more hours in than I could ever imagine. And he's also someone who probably triples my income. So it's like, all right, well, that's a formula to win at that game. Awesome. And I, I'm to the same sense. I like business. I like the sense of money. I'm not fueled by it. I don't, I don't obsess over it. I, I like it though. So I can't completely remove it from the situation. So that's unfortunate to a degree, but also fortunate for my family and my livelihood and, you know, being able to afford shit. So, and then, you know, putting that away for the future that a retirement can happen where I can sit in a library and just read. And I'm like, cool, I'm set. Um, but the part of me that's like, Adam is, the, the part of me that's taking a step back. It's the part of me that's, I, I see what works and I, I see that I can trudge through it. I can say whatever um, and just at hours the fuck out of life. And again, the paper will read, shit, dude, Austin's successful. And to me, the part of that I relate to Adam is I see that clear as day in my field of vision. But I want to do this. I want to fight that with every fiber of my being to whether that's taking, you know, cause I'm, I'm 26. So if I can take the next eight years to then let's say, okay, seven years to be in a position where by the time I'm your age and you know, Adam's 
what, how old are you, Adam? You 30? I'm 39 as of 39. April 29th. 39. Can you believe it? Look at this. It's crazy. I can't wait. Actually, I can't wait to get some grays and whites in my hair. I think the salt and pepper with red hair is going to be a good just look. Fucking good sweet. look, man. It shows wisdom. It's going to be good. Yeah. And actually, when I started, when I, I started to get a little grays and I go tea, which you, I had to shave because it looks like complete shit, like real Southeast Missouri trash, <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah. But when I got some grays in it, you could actually see it. And I'm like, God, I need this thing to go white and gray. See, optimistic. Optimism. <laughs> so let me yeah, finish. Optimism. Let me finish this. Let me finish yeah, this and I'll let you guys go. So go ahead. Sorry. Beards. Yeah. So basically, my way of thinking about it is I, I was analyzed like the past two years, I've been just analyzing. Like when I left N1, you know, I thought N1 was like, this is my career. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out the way I wanted it to. All right, that's fine. I learned yeah. a ton. I wouldn't be the person I am today. I wouldn't have got to work with the people I worked with. I wouldn't have anything, you know, comparative, I don't think, to where I'm at now mentally, intellectually, as a coach, whatever. But when I left, I was, I was, you know, back to my roots, doing nothing but analyzing fucking everything. And I've been doing it for the past two years. And after all, all that analyzing, it's ruminating and, and reflecting and just what the fuck is, is it that I want to do? What is it that is going to be that spark in the room? Because there's been a gas leak since I started. And what is that? What is that spark? And to me, it just came up clear as day of like, it's it's hacking the system to the degree of how I know and where I know to hack it. And so how can I hold on to any inkling of thought and time to think and an excuse to think it's not. And I already know as I'm a man who knows how to fill every fucking hour of every day with projects, you can ask my wife, you can ask people who help me with organizing this nonsense. I always have a new fucking thing I'm doing. And I always have more hours that I'm, okay, today's a day off. And then I work till six. And it's like, but it's an evening off, you know? Um, <laughs> that's the one. That's, that's the, the one. one right there. Mm-hmm. I came on, I stopped. I'm done early. What? I'm done. I'm six. What the fuck? Six yeah. to 10. I'm here. You're right, right. <laughs> I killed that one. So, um, yeah. That, yeah. So, you know, like that's, and so to me, like, what can I, how can I hack this? And I'm in a place where, okay, so 26, I take the next six, seven years to just go all in on whatever the fuck it is that I'm going to do. So I know for the next two years, that's my master's. Whatever comes after that comes after that. I'm not a person that sets, you know, like if a PhD comes naturally, awesome. If I keep going down the road of thought and trying to trudge forward with what I know and my personality type of, I'm objectively honest to a fault. So if you have something on your face that I know is going to embarrass you when I tell you, it's coming out of my mouth. Like (laughs) I'm going to fucking tell you. And so objectively honest to a fault in the degree where a lot of things that come out, it's just like, dude, this is the truth. So let's fucking talk about it because I can't sit here any longer while this goes on. And that's the current state of the industry that I see. And that's the current landscape of the, the, the education that is fueling the DMs that I fucking get from 
kid, you know, young adults from 18 to let's say 25 up to my age where they're just fucking lost. And now they're, because we bring up academia. Okay. Ryan, to your credit, one area. And another reason why I'm going back is I, I morally and with everything in me cannot confidently speak on these topics publicly and defend them publicly and try and change things without pure experience in them. And so if I have a weak area in my educational background, it's academia. It's that it's the rigor of research. It is that process of obviously I've been in a lab. I've done shit just to graduate. Like I've done all that shit, but the time it takes to actually set up something to go through the rigor of data collection, to go through the rigor of manipulating that, that. process is owned by the university academia system, right? You yeah. cannot get that anywhere else. Right. That is the whole, that is what, that is the dollar to college. That is, that is, that is, that is performance. That is what the whole, that's one of the things that they hold. They say, if you want experience in knowing how to find empirical truth, we will push you, whip you and tell you how to get this done. That is the, to me, that is the golden standard of academia. And if you're going for that reason, dude, you have our, our blessing. That is, you can't learn that anywhere. And this is a, obviously the issue with Facebook content, fake news, right? People have never been through the, the rigmarole of what is truth? How, like us humans, we should be proud. We have found a formula to say, here is what I think the truth is. And then here's your ability to replicate it same as I did and let me know if this is ultimate truth or, or not. Uh, as opposed to people currently on Facebook where we see the conventional truth, what I believe, what my mama told me and all these things. So dude, you are going for the pursuit of truth. And uh, I, I, I would have never thought that about you, but to hear it, that, that means a lot that you've went through that journey. You face yourself in the mirror and you've admitted because you don't have to admit, right? If you got followers and you got clients, you don't have to admit that. That's the fight for me. That's just like, why am I doing this? But to the sense, that's the smallest part of me. That's the 10% of me. That's like, dude, you can just fucking chill. Keep making videos every few months. Because I, I shoot, let's say every six months, I'll shoot 20 videos. And then that lasts me you know, forever. I'll chop them up. I'll do whatever I want. And I can just keep doing that. I'll keep getting referrals, keep getting signups. I'll keep, the, the business will fuel itself. I have great colleagues. I have great business partners who are hours people who are fueling that underbelly of that business who get me clients. And it's just like, I don't have to fucking do anything. And that's the 10% of me that thinks that. And then the 90% that's just like, you're fucking fraud. If you think you can skate through this life without going for the truth, without ripping down that ego to the sense of, it's not that, and I was reading, I'm reading, um, the black swan finally. And in that this morning, my morning read was the, the section over finding truth and being able to strip down the ego. And those who find the truth are those not seeking their confirmation bias. It's those who understand what the truth is and should be. And now they're searching for everything that tears that down. What can I find that rips this out? 
it's not that I'm searching every which way because every fucking Joe Schmo can find something and everyone with an intellectual capability whatsoever over the mean can find something that confirms their bias. And that's not what I'm interested in doing. I, I, I don't want to write another article where I'm like, because I, I haven't, you know, I've done basic statistics, but I need to know the rigor of statistics. I need to be able to look at something to know if I'm citing it to where you know, I'm writing a book and that's due in November. And I'm currently, you know, I'm going through study after study after study and I'm trying to find, okay, is, okay, have these guys researched it? Like in all the research reviews, I'll find the study and I'll read through it. I'll try to analyze it. And I'm like, mm, I just don't know. So I'll go to like, okay, has Greg Knuckles, has, you know, Helms, has these guys tore this, Mike Zordos, have the Trexler, have these guys tore this down to the basic bits of, well, this seemed great on surface, but it's actual shit because they didn't do this, this, and this. And I'm like, fuck, I don't know how to see that. And so I need to see that. And I need to see it for myself, ah. the degree of doing that. And until I can do that, and then everything that else comes with the, the, the pursuit of that goal, which I know is going to challenge me in all these new ways. Um, and it's going to force me into different ways of thinking. It's going to force me into different ways of problem solving and gaining more maturity and experience within these avenues. And only then do I feel confident that I can go out, host a seminar, write legitimate things that I think could help and change how trainers are being educated. Only then can I do that, that I can understand That's those things powerful. and answer those questions. Because the, until then, it's like, who the fuck am I? I, 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 will, I, will, I will give you this one bit of piece of information. Okay. So I think what you're doing is correct. I, I can't disagree with anything you're saying. Dude, but I, I got to be honest. I've done seminars with everyone in this science side of the industry who is more, I've done endless ones with Soros. I've done, I've done, I've done with all of the people that you mentioned. Right. And I've always been the one without the PhD. I've always been the one without a science degree. I've always been that one every single time, every single time I go to all these things. And the only thing that I keep thinking over and over and over and over, every time I see these guys do this, it's just like, but who are you actually helping? Right. I love, I love what Helms is doing. I love what Soros is doing, but I think what they're doing on the mass skill is that they are the ones who have stepped up another level and said, here is the information that we want to dissect. Helms to me is the teacher for the practitioners, right? I'm out in the field. I'm distributing um, good information, good practices to my, uh, to my clients and I look up to those guys. I look up to stuff that and one I look I look up to say, what is the stuff that's being broken down that I can put out practically? So I think for you, this is a huge vertical move for you, right? Because you will leave more or less me and you do the same thing right now, more or less. You're through academia, you can ascend through that. And say, hey, now I can look at studies myself. Now I can say, here's my opinion of what I feel is truth or, or not truth. So you will become one of the, uh, I don't know the word for it, but it's, it's the coach's coach, 
That's the word I'm looking for. You will become the coach's coach, right? We will look to you for new information now, which is a huge leap. It's a, it's a, it's a, and it's a good leap. Brian, too, because with Austin's practice, with where he's coming from, being in the field, absolutely. Think of with with his education, he'll ask the right questions, hundred percent for research. Because have that what I you know when I said a while back about some of the research coming out, there's not a lot of research that comes out nowadays where I'm like, oh, that's interesting, that's super exciting to read. I'm just going, this will reaffirm me on something I believe or just piss me off because it was just shit. Right. Or whatever, you know, but I want, I want, I'm like, I'm sitting here in the field going, I can't do the research. I don't have the power, the funding, the credentials, you know, the network. I'm like, want to get hold of the people in there and they're like, I have questions and I don't have the, the knowledge to, to, to figure it out how to answer them. Please. If I could go back to school, that's like when you say I'm a deal. I have all these questions and these ideas. And that's the one thing you want to, you want to put me in a depression real quick. When I think about all the questions I have and I go back, I'm like, but I'm not smart enough to answer them. I don't have that background, right? Like I don't have that education background. And I just like want to grab the people in researching like even Brad Schoenfeld. I like, I have questions and I'm not, and I, I'm, I'm not arguing with you in any, but I think we can ask this better. Because, you know, I think we can ask this better because if you talk to like a, somebody that's in research, it's a purist, a Dr. Jeremy Linicky. I mean, you could actually say, I totally get that your study says that doing sets of eight to 12 is muscle hypertrophy, but your study was 25, 20 to 25 year olds. So technically for 20 to 25 year olds, we know that. You know, I just, I just think there's better fucking questions that we can ask. And sometimes, I think some of these complicated questions are actually answered in a goddamn eighth grade textbook sometimes. Right. I'm just like, Oh, I really, I already knew that. I just fucking memorized it for a test back in high school. I wish I would have, or even as a professor, Austin, I talked to you when we were in London, I would say, Hey, instead of in a university setting, going through chemistry or something and saying, okay, this is a lysosome and this is a ribosome. And this is what it does in the cell. You memorize that for a test. What if a professor said, Hey, you guys are in uh, human performance or health management, whatever department you were in at, at Ball State, whatever it is. Exercise science. Exercise science, right? Let me tell you what this ribosome means to the floor. What does this mean to fitness? Practicality. What is the Practicality. Yes, that's what I want to bring to it. That's, that's what I want to bring. They have to bring that. Don't make me memorize this for a multiple choice test. And I tell you what, if you're ever a professor, don't just do multiple choice tests. What the fuck does that prove anybody knows, right? Like really find some shit out with some essays or some real hard multiple choice questions, you know, like where every answer is kind of right, but one's more right than the other. That's what Josh professors. Did. Yeah, that kind of shit, right? Josh you know, was like A, B, and C are kind of right, but D is the most right and tell me fucking why. And I was like, right. fuck you, Josh. Right. But now I right. know. So, you know, so like what, what does, what happens when you strengthen hip extension for triple jump? What happens? Why does that get better? Right? Like I want, I, I don't want you, I don't want to just learn what the fuck a nucleus does and what it is for the cell. Tell me how that helps me. Like, right. Like Ryan, when I learned business and balancing a checkbook and had to, like, I have to have a job to make money so I can keep the lights on and I got to keep the balance, my checkbook balanced. That's how I learned. But when I look back, and that's not, that's not my parents' fault or anything. My parents were just like, you're, you're just working all the goddamn time. My parents just worked all the damn time. Right. But what if somebody's like, hey, do you know there's another place you can put money to where it makes money? What? Like, I don't have to do shit. 
I didn't, I mean, I mean, I know it sounds stupid, but that's, I was a new concept to our yeah, yeah. Right. So I wish, so sometimes I wish people like in acting, when it really comes to learning, it's almost, you know what? I, I really don't know who told this to me in my life is probably a great coach I had when I was younger. And he was like, the great coaches need to coach the younger individuals. The great ones need to be coaching the younger people. Because they know the application, the practicality of this. And like, I'm going to show you how balancing your checkbook, and I'm going to show you how this can make you make money. And there's a thing called a Roth IRA, and you need to invest in that. And it doesn't matter how old you are, you can put money into that. You work at the, cra- or the ice cream shop, you can still put money into a Roth IRA. I didn't know that. I'm 16. I'm like, that's things adults do. I just don't know how to do that. I'm not allowed to do that. I didn't know any of that, right? So you need that application of what does this mean? Like, right. What does cholesterol mean? I don't give a shit if you know what it is. What does it mean to the client? What does it mean? How does it affect their health, their benefit, getting to their goals, all that. Otherwise, you're just fucking memorizing shit. But that's but that's, I think, kind of a challenge. Right. And that's the that's what the institution does. It doesn't matter if it's school or prison or a hospital institution. All institutions give the blanket of knowledge with little to no practicality. There's no, the institution itself uh, does not have anything practical, right? It blows my mind every time I go into a DMV or a post office and it's, it's an institutionalized place. And I'm like, has the government never seen uh, what UPS looks like on the inside? It's beautiful. Look at our, look, look, at, look at the, po- right? There's no practicality here. Help me out. Give me a helping hand. There's a box. There's nothing. So, so I feel like it's been, that's the thing about, uh, and I talk about this a lot. I'm, I'm a first generation American. I was the first person in my family born in the States. So me and my brothers, we've lived this entire life of finding things out. And then telling like each other, telling everyone in my family, right? Like, dude, I recently, just recently found out about like how a mortgage actually works, right? Like how it actually works, right? It's like, you can't tell some 18 year old kid like, hey, here's what 30 years of interest actually looks like. Like the easiest way (laughs) is to just, right? If somebody would have took fake dollars for me. And been like, here's two hundred thousand dollars. Here's what it costs. Here's a pile of money. Right, just seeing a stack of money, some practicality would help me. So I, I feel like I've dedicated my life in some, in some small ways to make philosophy and psychology and sports science applicable to people. Right, my goal, my daily goal, and what I do is that how do I take these complex ideas, make them practical for people to actually execute and boil down like and that's been the northern star that i've been chasing so it's admirable when i hear that you want to do it through uh empirical data numbers of the human body right because the mind is it's it doesn't need to be trained right you don't need to have it's 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 different no Um, you said that ryan and you said a key term just two seconds ago you said psychology mm -hmm. and that's one thing i actually one of my I'm a reader, so I have a lot of books no going way, you all read? at once. Oh, God. <laughs> I even had to get a new copy of Catcher in the Rye. Listen, if you're watching this video, I don't care who you are, you need to read Catcher in the Rye. I got a new copy because my other one was – I've read it several times, so I have to get a new – so sorry. So that's one, of, that's one of those books that I somehow – I did my seventh grade class didn't get, and so I never read it. I never got to it. Yeah, I got to it. It's a, just so you know, the true story about Catcher in the Rye, the first six chapters of this book storm the beaches of, in Pearl Harbor. Uh, not Pearl Harbor, uh, Normandy. 
they were held in his pocket. The first six, so when you read the first six chapters of Catcher in the Rye, understand that those are written, those were written and they stormed the beaches of Normandy. They were stormed the beaches of Normandy and they kept them in his pocket. He wrote this book during World War fucking two. The greatest generation of our time. Yes, I'm going to say it. Read this fucking book. Fantastic. World War II is historically my favorite time. Yeah, so you'll love the book. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with the history of World War II. Yes, but the thing I struggle with is, one, like, and I I said fun a while ago. My fun is fitness. Austin knows this. I don't think about anything else but fitness. Dogs and music, close second. Like, I love puppies and, and music, but that's all I do. But a thing that I get frustrated about is, and you guys know this from working with people, is the psychology graduating like i didn't have psychology courses in this and you're talking with people trying to transform their bodies and lose weight this is a big especially for the general population client right that really struggle and they they worked so hard they've listened to all the the dr oz's and all the misinformation out there with social media is really good at doing just anybody anything is even academia some of the research comes out i'm like i don't agree with that that's bullshit i don't like how that study was done all of the anything but you're just like these people want results and they have been mentally fucked from something from you know and you're just trying to to fix that right and say you know like oh that's a good food or that's a bad food well i'd hate to break it to you there's really not no such thing as a good food or a bad food in the effort of dr oz trying to simplify things they're actually making things more confusing because in so. their in yeah. their attempt to i i believe their attempt to simplify is is goodwilled but it's actually worse off because now people believe in the parameters are set, right? It infers when you tell someone, well, just eat this, don't eat this. Although you're probably making it easy for them. If you just say, eat this food and stay away, overall, they will lose weight. But they're also creating a secondary rule in their mind that there is such things as foods you just don't eat, right? It's like it's like a little kid saying, oh, um, mommy, mommy said, don't go in her closet while I'm not home. Right. And this kid thinks there's nothing in the closet. Right. And this kid just in their brain believes that uh, there's no there's no way that you should be able to touch these things. And that's just for an adult, for an adult person. You you, you hit it. Right. So what is it? What is it? uh, Is it Marcus Aurelius? Was like the is he the stoic, like the stoic? He believe right. Yeah. So there's no bad or good information. There's just information. It's just how you're taking. So when you say good food versus bad food, and and I try to, and I try throughout my life to just be more optimistic, even more that it's like, well, it's all how you're processing this data and going, okay, take a kid when you're a kid and you're playing on a farm. I know there's a lot of farms in downtown Chicago. I know it. There's tons of them with electric fences, maybe more prisons. It's the old, like, it's the old farm better. <laughs> so in Southeast Missouri, you're a little kid and you're running around and there's a, there's an electric fence and you're going to touch it. Because that's what you do as of growing up on a farm in Southeast Missouri. I want to touch that electric fence. I know it's going to shock me, but I've never done it. Zap. Oh, is that bad? I don't know. But what if a kid does that and says, never touch that electric fence. And he touches it. And then he has this profound thing where he just becomes very interested in electricity or something like that, or forces. He's like, that's cool. Then you go out the next week and the kid's throwing shit at the electric fence to see if he can get it to like zap, right? And playing with it. And all of a sudden you see that kid, he's like an electrical engineer, you know, something like that. I'm going, was that a negative experience? Yeah, it shocked him a little bit, but that got his brain going on some things. Absolutely. So it's it's all about how you take, right? Just same thing with food, right? What did you, hey, I eat that. You know what? Well, what did you learn from that? 
well, I probably shouldn't eat eight candy bars at night. I probably shouldn't do that, right? But it doesn't mean you shouldn't have any candy bars. Come on, candy bars are good, <laughs> right? Why would you not eat any candy? Bars? There was this uh, experience. So back back in you know when they first started uh, in psychology, it's called ex- experiential learning. Uh, this is when they first had those studies on uh, productivities and workers where they would uh, leave the lights on a little longer and things like that. And they started testing out all of these things uh, and experiences and what can help someone. Uh, there was this one guy, his name is something Kolb. I think David Kolb, maybe, I'm not sure. But he has this thing called the, basically the Kolb learning cycle. And he basically put how we actually learn, right, as people. And the first thing that we all have to have is uh, a concrete experience, right? We have to have the experience. So if you can't actually go out and get that first step of touching the electric fence, you can never truly learn from it, right? The first step in learning yeah. is the concrete Thank experience, you. right? And then that rolls into uh, thinking other options, which you should have done. Then that rolls into reflection. And then that rolls into the next time you have the option to go to another concrete experience. You, you now have completed the circle. You're like, I've reflected on it. And next time you see the fence, you're like, no, I don't want to do that. Now you can make a solid educated choice because you've learned from it. The kind of problem that I think is that we're not getting enough concrete experiences. So it's only speculation if we can never enter that wheel with an actual experience, right? People keep saying what they would do. We've seen this for, I've come on, dude, I'm from Chicago. People keep talking about what they would do if they were, if they own the bulls. If I own the bulls, I would, uh, man, I would bring back. And it's like, of course, come on. Right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. don't, you never have, you will never have the concrete experience. So you only have speculation for 25 years and a bunch of Jordans and bolsters. It's going right. to right. Yeah. And you're full and you're full of what you think you would do until you get that experience. It'll drive you nuts, especially for the person who's the analyzed thinker. It'll drive you nuts. You have to go scratch that. It's to learn, right? The only way to know is to put in actual labor of trying and doing, putting in those hours. Then we can say, ah, okay, brain, process new tactile information we took in today, right? Oh. That, that is learning. Yeah, and Austin, we did that a lot with me when I first became an online coach, trial, and I would, yeah. I would sit with you in those cafes and be like, because Ron, I didn't know how to organize my day. I worked in a right. gym or in a university for years. That's all I did, right? So now I'm at home and I'm having all these clients and I'm going, Austin, I have a ton of work to do and I have no idea how to organize my day. How do I do this? Like I just get up and work right now. And he's like, no, no, you know? And so thank you for that. Right. Thank you for that. Yeah. Let me add something to to what uh, you both are saying. So I think, so one thing also that um, I've been reading as well is compart. So long-term memory, um, this comes, stems from uh, Steven Pinker's book, how the mind works. And also um, something uh, to Lev said, this morning, um, when I when I was reading, and compartmentalization, our, our long term memory is all about compartmentalizing things into let's say four to five. Uh, let's take tw- it takes twenty things that were twenty concepts and or twenty things, and you compartmentalize them down to four to five, and that's you can store all that together in long term memory. Okay, so that's kind of the working working understanding of that that uh, concept. So, but. To you, to us three, if someone said something sports science related, we now, based off that f- the, those four to five things that are compartmentalized, they have context. We can summarize that material based off context we have. So those four to five things that we've stored into long-term memory, that whether they're sound bites 
or their foundational concepts of physiology, we can extract those. We can go in and index and extract those files, those four to five files, or one of those four sound bites. And now we have context. We understand the, the fundamentals the foundations of physiology and how it functions. And that's the problem with like where you get like the Dr. Oz's and you get people where we're generalizing a reductionist thing where reduction are the reductionist act or the act of reduction towards those complex topics. In theory, that's a good idea and it can make it more understandable, but it's missing the biggest component, which is context. Which is applying it to Basically, basically, with what you're saying is that the human brain is just a machine that associates. It has to attach information to some context because it it's will just pattern recognition. That's what language is. Yeah, and it's like it's talking about. So, it, if you split up the brain and the two sides of the brain can't communicate, so this, you see these, you see this with like uh, people who are epileptic and uh, they're trying to to reduce the transmission of those episodes, and so you split the brain. Um, in terms of, you know, whether you're using drugs or what, whatever you're using, you split the brain and you don't let those brains communicate. So in, effectively, you have two different individuals you could be talking to dependent on how you're speaking to them or what you're asking them to do. And so how the brain, and so it's not even understood to my rudimentary understanding. Again, if you're listening and can correct me, please DM me, whatever. Um, but my rudimentary understanding of this essentially comes from, or what I understand is language isn't so much from this regard. We don't know if language itself is understood as much as the recognition and the, it's the pattern recognition that the brain can do that then we can cross merge that with our right side of the brain or the left side of the brain. And we can start to make sense of it. And then we can, we can associate it. We can compartmentalize it. We can give it context. And now we have understanding. I'm actually hearing this as interest because I'm actually currently right now learning. Hey guys, Austin here. Thank you again for listening into the episode. It means a lot. If you can, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave the podcast a five-star review. This does help us grow and be found by others. Also, just wanted to mention, if you guys are interested in free education based around training and nutrition, be sure to check out physiquedevelopment.com backslash free education, where you will find free downloads, videos, articles, etc. No strings attached. Again, thank you. Chat soon.